Yo, what up, though? And welcome back to another episode of the Black Friday's podcast. It's your favorite host, Denzel Turner, back on the mic once again. And I'm really excited about this episode because when you hear it, it will officially be Black Friday 2022. And since this is the Black Friday's podcast, we dropping an episode on Black Friday. I got to give y'all a little something. But I got to make y'all sweat a little bit. So I'm going to need a little drum roll real quick. So the announcement that I have to make is that the Black Friday's podcast website is officially live. Yes, the Black Friday's podcast has a website and you can go check it out right now at Black Friday's pod. That's Fridays with an S P O D dot com. Black Friday's pod dot com. There you will find all the information you need about the podcast, new episodes, and there's even a black business directory that has been compiled of friends and former guest of the show. Truly grateful for all the love and support that I've been receiving with the podcast over the years. And I hope that you are able to engage and enjoy the brand new website. All right. So now that we took care of business, let's talk about this episode real quick. The homie Adam Harris is an author, motivational speaker and mentor in the Detroit area who has been making an impact on young people by providing the guidance and resources he wished he had when he was younger. On this episode, Adam shares his journey to what prepared him as a leader in his community, how he became an author, and how we all have something to give when it comes to service. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the episode, run that intro. Right. We've got to start making sure that we're doing something and we're doing something daily. And what I've done in my life is realize that um, for me, it was mentorship. And I think everybody has something to give, but you have to be responsible in giving it. And if we're not responsible, then again, we can never access the freedom that we desire or want for our lives. Appreciate y'all pulling up. And of course, I have another dope dynamic guest coming to y'all to speak to you about their background, their experience. I have none other than our author. Let me get that right. Author, motivational speaker, servant leader, Mr. Adam Harris. Adam, welcome to the podcast, my brother. Hey, appreciate you, Denzel. Thanks so much for having me, man. No problem. No problem. Happy that you're here. So um, I just mentioned, you know, three key and important things that you do, but I love for people to be able to share a little bit about themselves from their own perspective. So if you could invite us into your world and tell us about Adam Harris, the person, and also uh, your brand as uh, author, motivational speaker and leader. Wow. Well, again, thanks so much, Denzel, for having me on this platform. Um, I have so much honor and respect um, for you as a young man and also as a young leader um, that's doing this work and providing this medium for um, people like myself to, um, you know, share our stories. And so thank you um, for, again, the work that you're doing and for the trailblazing experiences that you're going to provide for so many um, that are in our community. So I want to just take the time to first say that. Um, I think for me, um, just a little bit of background on myself. Um, so I grew up in Southfield, um, ended up towards the um, my ninth grade year. I'm transitioning to Royal Oak Schools um, and um, I lost my dad. So the crux of my story was I lost my dad when I was 11 years old. So I just got to sixth grade um, and lost my dad um, to a, a heart attack and aneurysm. And it was a downward spiral um, of an experience for me. It caused a lot of trauma, caused a lot of pain, caused a lot of grief. 
And I know that the person that I am today would not be, you know, who you're you're talking to if it wasn't for that experience. And, and I want to say that that in a very, um, I guess, unique sense, because um, my dad was one of those individuals who did not care about, you know, um, you know, any kind of you know promotion or, or cloud or anything like that. You know, he was a, a leader in the community in Detroit and we served on Mac Avenue and Fisher. And um, even though we lived in Southfield, we would go every day down to Detroit to help people who were in need. And it was all about opening this empowerment zone um, to provide experiences as well as provide clothing, food, shelter for individuals who uh, most desperately needed. So I got that, man, when I was like four years old. If you can imagine, like literally watching this from a four year old kid, um, literally being in kindergarten and like serving food to people at that age. There's even pictures that my mom or my family has of me taking down information to kind of document um, who in which we were serving in the in the large community that we were um, assisting and serving at that time. Um, but yeah, losing my dad, man, was huge for me because, again, not only was he my father, but he was also our, our pastor. And so if you can imagine losing two people in one. Um, or two individual spirits in one. Um, it really had a huge impact on my life. Um, I remember being in middle school and sometimes going to my counselor and just having to cry in her office and just, you know, you know, wonder like, when is dad coming back? And then as I kind of got older um, and I kind of pushed through the depression and the pain, because at that time, um, I think that it really the pain and the the, um, the experiences that I went through was really never addressed, um, if I be honest. And I think some of that kind of goes into, as you know, um, mental health or, uh, you know, sometimes depression is not really considered a big thing in the African-American community. Um, but looking back, I can honestly say that I really don't have many recollections of those moments because every day was just like a blur as I look back. And it's just because I was just in pain. Um, I think the only thing that I had as an, as an outlet was, you know, basketball and sports. Um, so I want to kind of give that kind of foundation to like my life, because I think that you don't understand who I am today. If you don't kind of look back and see that it was because of my dad and seeing the daily experiences of him serving and wanting us to grow up, to pray for people, to help people, to serve people, to love people, to have compassion on people, to have empathy for people. Um, so all of what I'm doing right now is to do exactly that. So what I typically say to people is that I'm trying to be the person that I needed when I was 11 years old. So the person that I needed to be, you know, um, that needed a, a, a someone to cry on or someone to kind of, you know, have a helping hand or someone that could provide me with resources, I'm trying to be the exact same person. So when you go into the other titles of like author, motivational speaker, servant leader, I think servant leader is actually what in, um, encompasses who I am today. Um, the author came along with the journey, did not know that I was um, I was good at writing. It was a professor of mine, an undergrad at U of M Dearborn, who noticed uh, my ability to write and communicate effectively. And her name was Dr. Gloria House. And I'm so honored to uh, know her and be able to uh, you know, share um, as a colleague and friendship with her. But she noticed it and she said, Adam, you may want to consider whether or not you share your work with other people. And so that's how the author was birthed um, in a sense. You know, I wrote my first book um, when I was actually in college, but I didn't actually publish it until two years later, just because of fear, not knowing, you know, what everyone would consider or think about me, um, you know, who I was at that particular time. So I, I, I literally sat on the book for two years before I finally, end, um, you know, published it um, independently. And then the motivational speaker, I think, you know, just kind of comes with 
um, wanting to speak life into people. You know, just, you know, when I uh, talk with so many young people, you can literally see the cloud of despair or hopelessness, um, you know, from their spirits. And so um, I think some of it's tied into, you know, my dad being who he was and seeing him pray for people and and encourage people and inspire people. Um, so I'm sure that there's an element to that. But I think the other side of it is, um, you know, people need hope. You know, people need faith. People need um, to be able to see beyond their current situation and, and what that looks like. So um, I think that kind of, you know, sums up a little bit about who I am and also, you know, why I am who I am today. Yeah, definitely. And it's uh, very uh, inspiring and encouraging to hear how your father and then also your childhood inspired the man and the person that you were able to become today. And we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that, especially about you being an author and some of the, the wonderful things that you've been able to do in the community. But uh, for the moment, I'm going to rudely interrupt this interview with my favorite portion of Black Fridays, which is called Freestyle Fridays. <laughs> So, uh, Adam, I'm sure you can rap, right? You you should know how to give a I don't know bars. about rapping. I can I probably can share a poem or something, but I don't know about rapping. That, I'm, I'm going to leave that to you. <laughs> so, a uh, good thing is neither one of us will be rapping today. Uh, Freestyle Fridays is all about uh, some random assortment of questions. They're all about you, so you shouldn't get them wrong. And the only rules that I have is that you answer every question and you answer honestly. Gotcha. All right. So, let's go ahead and get into it. So I need to know right now, what's, tell me a song you have on repeat. When you get in the car, you 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 can't stop listening to it. Yeah, man. Um, so honestly, um, Worth Fighting For um, by Brian Courtney Wilson. Um, so every morning I wake up and I meditate and I pray. Um, but Worth Fighting For has been like a theme of mine. Um, and so typically, like every day I listen to that song because um, I do believe our community is worth fighting for. Um, our families are worth fighting for. Um, you know, our relationships, the people that we work for is worth fighting for. So, yeah, man, that's the, man. every day I have to hear that song at least one time. Dope, dope. I haven't heard it yet, but I should add it. It sounds like I should add it to the rotation. Oh, absolutely. So as an author, I need to know, um, I'm sure you're a reader of books. What is a book that has inspired you just in general or that you really like? Um, let me see here. Um, I recently got into, um, well, I can tell you right now, I'm, I'm reading right now with my girlfriend, The Five Love Languages. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's an amazing book. Um, that kind of helps talk about how, um, you know, we have these, you know, these languages of love that we all communicate through. So whether it be um, words of affirmation, um, whether it be um, physical touch, whether it be um, uh, I'm skipping out on the on the five right now. But I mean, but yeah, that, that book is one that I'm reading right now with um, with my girlfriend. So it's 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 amazing book because it like really um, breaks down how we all individually receive love. But then also um, being aware of how we can, um, you know, fill up people's um, emotional love tanks uh, by speaking their love language. So, yeah, I'm, I'm reading that right now. Dope. Dope. Uh, give us a hidden talent that you have that people might not necessarily notice about you, but you you're talented at it or skilled at it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, so when I was a kid, um, I was able to pick up, I, I, I still want to do this, like, you know, um, you know, literally. Um, but I think playing the piano, like, so my mom, um, played the piano and it was like something that I was able to kind of watch her play and then like, you know, pick up some. So I was able to pick up a few songs. Um, I never actually learned 
actually learned how to play the piano, um, which I do want to um, do so in the future because it's just an amazing instrument. Um, but yeah, I know that I'm gifted at that. And I think the other thing I can think of is like, I'm really good at drawing. Um, mm -hmm. So I have some artwork that I've done um, as a kid. Um, actually, when I was a kid, I used to draw like all the different cartoons. And um, I want to say when I was in sixth grade, I drew a, a picture of Kobe Bryant that I still have to this very day. And um, yeah, it, it looks just like and I was so good that I could draw it um, just by looking at it. And then you could place the drawing up next to the, pi the picture and it would almost look exactly like the picture. Wow. Uh, literally. So, that yeah, that's a gift of mine. And I, I just haven't used it in years, but I do know I still have it. Dope, dope. So you got a couple hidden talents. That's what's up. So you talked about how growing up, you growing up, you played basketball, correct? Mm -hmm. yeah. So I need to know what type of basketball player were you like? How would you describe your game? Were you an Allen Iverson, Chase McGrady, LeBron James? I need to know if you had to like take parts of other people's game. How would you say you played? Yeah, man. So I tell you what, um, you, I'm not sure if you know this guy, but um, I would say I was more of a Lindsey Hunter. Oh, yeah, of course. Come on. Yeah, man. So Lindsay. like, yeah, man. So um, and what's funny is that I actually got a chance to to meet him um, when I was a kid. Um, then when I was in high school, got a chance to like, you know, play like these pickup games against him, um, you know, when I was in Southfield. And, you know, I, I, I was playing against like high school guys when I was in middle school. And like I said, you know, basketball became like the outlet for all my grief and pain. Um, so I was always in the gym um, and, and just being around coaches. But, yeah, so I got a chance to play against Lindsey Hunter. And I just love the fact that he was one of those guys that didn't really care too much about um, the offense or scoring or anything like that, um, but just really was like that you know dog on defense right um and he could lock you down and he had like you know the textbook you know defensive stands the you know keeping the hands active and all that man so Lindsay hunter was um you know my guy man in terms of you know and then same you know i carried that on into college i played at u of m dearborn I played two years my sophomore and junior year um but yeah just i loved i love the defensive end because it was like listen you you know i, I may be the person that's facilitating on offense was i'm when i'm coming down as a point guard but i tell you what i'm gonna lock you up on defense and that was my game that's what's up. I like that. Yeah. So shout out to you. Uh, you successfully passed Freestyle Friday. So congratulations for engaging in the in the randomness. And if I could go back into uh, the interview, wanted to your latest book that you had created. Want to learn a little bit about that. So um, one Michigan moment in time. Did I? I didn't mess it up. Did I? No, you didn't. Okay, yeah. perfect. All right, great. So there, there we go. Um, so if you could. Tell us a little bit more about that and how that book came to be as you this is your third book. So you had already been the writing process. But for that particular book, how did that come about? Yeah, man. So I think um, as I've been going along my journey of life, um, I noticed that, again, going back to, you know, um, my professor and mentor who shared with me that, Adam, you have a gift in terms of being able to share, um, you know, what you're writing about. And so I think for me, what I wanted to do was kind of, again, I was working at higher ed and I had, um, you know, been doing a lot of work with helping high school students understand the importance and the value of a college education. And so I wanted to kind of, you know, chart my journey of when I was in undergrad, right, at U of M Dearborn. And so um, when I first came in to college, um, at U of M Dearborn, um, I, so my mom put me at a fork in the road and she said, cause again, I had really no plans my senior year in high school. I really honestly, this honest to God truth, really had no plans. Um, so I was in the summertime and my mom had this conversation with me. She said, Adam, either you go to college or you start working a full-time job. And 
at that particular moment, her putting me at a fork in the road like that, it made me make a decision. And I was working at Meyer at the time. And um, I kind of just thought to myself, like, Adam, you still got something left. Like education is something that, you know, you really um, have curiosity and like, um, you know, you get inspired by by learning. Let's give let's give higher education a shot. And so I went to the campus at U of M Dearborn one day, um, ended up seeing this flyer on the wall. Um, true story. And it was a basketball camp. And so I signed up for the basketball camp over the summer, um, ended up becoming the MVP of the camp. Um, and then the coach talked to me like on the last day, Coach Turner, um, shout out to him. And he said to me like, hey, man, I think you really can like play on our team. Would you want to like, you know, um, join the university and and like possibly be a walk on for us? And I said, absolutely, would love to. So um, he said, fill out this application and then bring it back to me tomorrow. I did exactly that. I brought it back to him the next day. He took me and walked me over to the admissions office spoke with um, someone that was in admissions office at that time and said, Hey, we need like, we need to get this guy in. So that's how my journey started at U of M. Like, honestly, I don't think it was because of my grades. I always, and they, actually in this book, you know, what I highlight is the fact that I probably based on my GPA and my ACT score, I probably shouldn't have got in. Cause I had a 2.7 cumulative 18 ACT, ACT. So, you know, 18 is like half the score. Mm-hmm. So, and that's supposed to predict college success. So based on that score, I probably shouldn't have done so well. But I made a commitment to myself and to my family that I would go in and I would get done in four years. That was my commitment. That was my word. So again, as you know, when we grew up in these these homes, there are different things that are like principles that you remember. And like, I always remember my dad saying, your word is your bond. That's all you have. And so when I gave my word, I had I did whatever it, it took to get there. So um, so started, you know, school, took the first year. Um, kind of didn't, you know, play basketball because my, uh, my mom and my coach was kind of in this conversation of, hey, let's make sure he gets a solid academic year, you know, um, you know, um, taken care of. And then I played my sophomore year, started um, my junior year um, towards the middle part of my junior year. And then um, my senior year, I just kind of really got involved in like serving the community. Um, and it's it kind of was on the um, the crux of doing some volunteer um, work at the end of my junior year, which is an alternate spring break provided by United Way. And so from there, um, I came back inspired because I went to Louisiana, Lake Charles, Louisiana, and like really had this amazing experience. And I was trying to figure out what can I do to help the community here in Detroit, um, which is like my hometown. And so um, came back, talked with United Way for Southeastern Michigan, um, ended up you know meeting the CEO of the of the organization and expressed that I had this dream of wanting to uh, bring alternate spring break here to Detroit. And before that time, really United Way was only focused on alternative spring breaks that was helping to rebuild from hurricane devastated areas. It was not about some urban, um, you know, disaster zones, um, such as like, you know, the, um, areas like ours that have gone through economic downturns or anything like that. So, um, but yeah, so I was able to, you know, talk with United Way, kept pressing the issue, kept, you know, pushing the envelope and it was able to happen in my senior year. So um, there was so much that happened. I was able to take like eight trips on the university's dime, um, my senior year, um, got a chance to go to um, a United Way national conference, meet Archbishop Desmond Tutu, um, Sister Sledge, all these you know amazing people that were doing amazing work across the world, um, even in a sense. And so that's kind of where 
um, you know, I kind of cap, you know, captures a lot of that in this book, right? In terms of how my journey kind of unfolded and started and where this whole notion of servant leader, as well as being of service to others, um, you know, kind of started. So, um, so yeah, One Michigan Moment in Time is, is really about capturing all those moments. Um, I, you know, um, launched an organization at, um, in my undergrad called Students Working Onward Together. Uh, by the end of my senior year, there was over 100 students um, involved in that organization. Um, so yeah, man, it was just like going from my, my junior year of like, you know, playing basketball and then quitting towards the end, then going straight into my senior year of like, you know, being civically engaged and involved in, in like the community. Um, it was a, a moment to remember. So that's why I called it One Michigan Moment in Time. Dope, dope. And one thing that I that I noticed when you were talking um, about your journey when you were at University of Michigan Dearborn is that as far as like your coach and your mom and I'm sure some other key people, I know you had mentioned a, a professor or two, you had people who cared and like made and I'm sure that made like all of the difference in terms of you being able to do that 180 from where you were at the end of high school to where you were when you left uh, or was getting ready to leave college. And I just want to see if I could talk to you a little bit about that as far as um, being, because I know that's part of your makeup and some of the things that you do now and like being that person for younger people and those people who are, who are coming up and will be the future. But just want to talk about having the right people in place or to, for lack of better terms, give a damn about you as uh, give a damn about our youth and, and the things that they're going through and struggles they may have over, they may have to overcome in order to be successful. Because what I've noticed, and we talked a little bit beforehand in working with younger folks and mentoring and, and volunteering and things like that, um, a lot of these young people, they they don't necessarily have that, or they, they may be lacking that um, in key spaces. People who like legit care about you and want to see you excel. And that may be the only blocker from you going this way or going that way in life. So just wanted to kind of like get your thoughts on why that's important. Yeah, man. So listen, one of the things that I, so I've done presentations, um, even to universities and like, um, professionals. And I say, um, the kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So at the end of the day, you can have a PhD, but you cannot make an impact until a kid knows that you care about them. Right. Um, that is the recipe for success in terms of mentorship, right? Mm -hmm. You and me both, come from a organization or at least were a part of an organization called the Midnight Golf Program. And the reason why I continue to talk about that program so much is because you knew that the mentors in that program cared. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, you didn't have to, you didn't have to, you never questioned whether or not they cared. And and each mentor displayed it in a different way. It may have been, you know, a Miss Faye that was on your on your tail at the beginning when you came in the door or, um, you know, Mr. Gamlin or Mr. Ambrose. But you knew these individuals cared about you. You knew that Miss Renee, who started this organization, had such compassion and love and empathy that it was about others. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about her. Right. And so that's what it all boils down to. So like for me in undergrad, going back to a Dr. House, um, who always had an open door policy. That's why, you know, I had to write the forward to the book. Her name is right there. She wrote the forward to the book because like, I wanted her to kind of share what she took away from getting to know me. 
but she always had an open door policy. And I'm telling you, when I say open door policy, some days I would come in, I needed to talk with her and she would be on the phone with her mom. And she said, Hey mom, I'm on, I, I'm, I have a student that um, I got to talk to. Do you mind if I call you back? And I'm like, no, 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 don't hang up with your mom. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's out of respect that I'm saying that, but she cared enough to say, Hey, no, Adam, come in what, you know, whatever you need to talk about, I want to make sure that you have that opportunity in that moment, right? Um, Randy Dillard, who served in the student activities, you know, um, office, um, he always, same, had an open door policy. So whenever I dropped by, and, and we had so many conversations, so he's in the book as well, um, to a vice chancellor Henderson, um, who was the vice chancellor of the university, and since, you know, vice chancellor is just like a vice president, right? Um, those individuals kind of help to cultivate the person and the leader that you see in before you today. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not that, um, you know, I came out of the womb, like, you know, leading or like I came out of like my mom and like, I just started like, no, it was people who cared about me and who said to me, there's something I see that there's something greater and there's, there's potential that you have that you have to share with the world. And because you kept hearing that and because you kept understanding that there was, you know, believing in you and, you know, wanting you to feel a sense of belongingness and, and be able to become the person that you wanted to be, man, you start believing it at some point. You're like, so maybe let me find out what they're seeing in me that I don't even sometimes see in myself, right? Mm -hmm. And it's because of that energy and it's because of that sense of goodwill that you start walking this journey and walking this path to say, let me discover who I am and who I was created to be. And so, yeah, to your point, man, I, I I know I'm not who I am or I would not have become the person that I am or the man that I am today without so many individuals. And again, that's just a, a few people, but mm-hmm. it was so many people from the janitors, to the president to everyone in between students to peers, to colleagues. Um, I, a lot of people had a, a, a hand in the journey. So I don't want to you know miss I'm saying that as well. Yeah, and I feel you 100% on that. I definitely have a, a similar story in that regard of people having the right people in place to to care about you also at the at the right time. Um, as far as education, like I just professors and teachers, I'll never forget because of how somebody had an open door policy for me and exposed me early on to like real estate and, you know, buying property and, and owning businesses and, and starting business and stuff like that. And then also like Mr. Gallon and Miss Renee, I was a, a product the alumni the midnight golf program so how they were able to invest in me at that point in time when i really needed it because similar to you i lost my my mom at a younger age so being able to have them during that pivotal that turning point and i was going to my senior year of high school like that was huge being able to be able to have those people know that they care about you and want to see you succeed and provide you the resources to do so um and and just stick with you because i wasn't you know the denzel that i am today uh i was completely different young angry man back then um and didn't really know how to express that but having people that stick with you is um shows all the more value to who they are and then also our educators are always show love to our educators because those people are grossly underpaid and um they don't get paid enough for all the many different hats that they wear because you somebody teacher psychologist uh chauffeur, like all types of stuff, you name it, they they have that job. So much appreciation to to anybody in that space that's, you know, mentoring and engaging with young people and, and wanted to see them succeed. So you were able to take those experiences and put that into uh, this book. And as far as this book and probably and the others that you wrote previous to, what was that process like 
being an author, starting to collect your thoughts, put it down on paper, go through that whole process? Like, what was that like for you? Was it pretty straightforward? Was it challenging? How did that work? So, yeah, I so appreciate that. I enjoy when people ask me, like, what's the process or what's the journey like of, of authoring or like writing a, a book? Um, so let me just say this. Uh, one Michigan moment at time took five years. <laughs> so I always like try to tell me like it's not it's not like an easy just, OK, I'm just going to sit down one day and write it. And like the whole thing, the whole manuscript is written. No, that was a five year process because you had for me, I have to collect my thoughts and, and one, discern exactly what it is I'm trying to communicate to the reader. Um, two, what are the lessons and the themes or what are the things I want them to take away? Right. Also, how do I go about communicating the information so that way, even though I understand the values or the principles or the lessons that that I've taken away, but how can it be communicated in a way in which the reader can understand it? Right. Um, and also that I'm reaching my target audience of, you know, the individuals that I want to, you know, to hear this information. So, yeah, it was a five year process. And each book, um, even um, Adam's Law Lessons Along the Way, um, which is more um, has like more of a spiritual feel. Um, every chapter has a letter to the reader. Then it talks about a specific you know, concept. And then um, there's a letter to God. Or, you know, in a sense of prayer. Um, and so um, that was very, very huge for me. So talking about the importance of forgiveness, knowing who you are, right, activating your faith, those kind of things and, and how you can kind of become and evolve into the person that you are born to be um, just by, um, you know, utilizing these principles. So. But yeah, going back to the question, that was a five year process. Um, and I think you have to discipline yourself to write. Because other than that, like, you know, time gets, in, you know, in our way or, you know, different experiences, life, um, you know, being a brother or being a friend or, you know, going out or wanting to hang out and, and at times. Um, so I had to discipline myself in terms of wanting to write. But what I do is I typically keep my phone like in my in my phone. If you were to like look at the notes section in my phone, there's a whole bunch of like notes. Right. And every time I get inspired by something that I'm like. I, it could be just, you know, either being at a church service. It could be like watching a kid do something. It could be in the grocery store and it could be like watching an interaction between a, a, a mother and a son. Or it could be like watching an interaction between uh, a few peers. Um, I may get inspired by something and I got to jot it down because it may tie into something that I'm conceptualizing in terms of wanting to pass a message, message along the way. So I say that to say that, yeah, it's a ton of like notes long notes and folders of notes in my phone. And then also on my computer, I also have like notepads all over the place in my house. Like, so it's just like knowing that I have to like keep something around me that if I, if I ever get inspired, that I can write something down quickly. Cause other than that, if I, if I miss it, I'll lose it. Absolutely. And uh, I wanted to understand a little bit more about as far as your community goes, cause I can tell you're big on community. How were you able to tap into that in order to make this book a reality? Like how I know, like, for example, your professor had wrote the forward, but uh, outside of that, like, how were you able to maximize your community to, to help you make this book a reality? Oh man. So um, let me just say that every single person that I've come across and even yourself, Denzel, um, you know, when I when I learned that you wanted to have me as a part of this um, Black Fridays, um, you know, session, I was like, man, dude, I remember Denzel from Midnight Golf. Right. You know, I told my girlfriend that I said, I remember Denzel from from Midnight Golf. Um, and so every person that I come across, man, I learned something from every person. 
And so, again, being able to even talk with you as a young black man, young African-American man in this country. Right. You know that there's a different level in which you have to live and kind of, you know, um, you know, show up to life. Right. Um, but I learned so much. So I have a ton of people that surround me um, that I consider as advisors, mentors, colleagues, friends, um, you know, um, servants in the journey um, that I can honestly tap on or give a phone call to and say, hey, how, do, how did you do this? Um, even in the, the printing of my book, I used the local printer this time, um, for, different from my um, my past books, because I want even though I've self-published all three, um, this one is the first time I've used a printer like right here in Michigan. So if I ever needed a, a you know, a bunch of books for whatever the reason may be, um, I can literally go pick them up, you know, by using, you know, obviously just, you know, getting in my car, you know, picking up. So I'm saying like I'm able to see other people that are doing amazing things and, and great things, um, which is so many people um, and just kind of like reach out to them and say, hey, how did you do this? Right. Um, and just be able to be a student and, 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 and learn in um, that that regard. So. Um, but even like um, the book release that I, I recently had um, back in May, um, all of that was sponsored. Like I didn't have to, I didn't have to pay anything except for like pay for the books, um, which was amazing, you know. Um, and again, that was a community of people that you know said, "Hey, you have a story and you have something to share. We want you to, um, you know, be a part of this, and we want to see this come to fruition." And so, um, so man, I'm, when I say I'm humbled, man. Um, to know that God has placed me in this moment in time, um, you know, surrounded by the resources and the people that I know, um, the people who will pick me up, you know, when I may be feeling low, the people who will encourage me and inspire me um, to keep moving forward, to keep pressing toward the mark. Um, honestly, I wouldn't be who I am without the community and the unity that's in that community as well. That's amazing. That's amazing. And then for my understanding, because I'm I'm not an author yet, you know, I'm just put that out there. I, I haven't written anything and, and self-published it, so to speak. But I wanted to know what exactly does it mean to be your own self-publisher? Because I know you said you went through a company for printing, but you self-published it yourself. So could you help me understand it and maybe some other people understand what self-publishing means? Absolutely. So it just means that you didn't use like a, um, you know, a pub, in a sense, a, a company, a publishing company to, you know, um, you know, publish your work. So, um, you know, once you're done with the manuscript, which is just like the content of your book. Right. Um, obviously, I needed to tap on people to design the cover. Um, mm -hmm. I also needed to tap on a specific, um, you know, company to do the interior layout of the book. Right. So there's like uh, pages in here that like obviously have different things in the book that I had to tap on someone to do the interior layout, but the publishing itself, um, I went through getting my own um, ISBN um, number, which is like the biggest thing that you need for, um, you know, publishing your own book, because what that does is that allows if you wanted to sell the book in stores, um, that ISBN number is the tracking of the book, right? Um, you can also um, purchase your own copyright um, or like, you know, um, you know, in terms of like, you know, doing that. Um, but again, the, the the biggest thing for it is just really the ISBN number. Um, so you have to purchase that through a, um, you know, broker. Um, so that way that you're able to establish the fact that this book 
is actually um, a published, in a sense, document. Um, in the past, I've also gone through the Library of Congress. Um, so like my first book, A Heart to Give, um, is in the Library of Congress, um, as well as um, Adam's Law. Um, I may do the same thing with this book. Um, and uh, I'm like in my last stages of actually putting um, One Michigan Moment in Time um, available on Amazon and all the other um, retail stores online. Um, but yeah, just, you know, finalizing a few things here. But as as of that, yeah, it's it's a you know it's it's easier than I think we um, we know. I think the biggest part of it is really honestly writing the manuscript. So I want to encourage you, um, brother man, knowing the fact that you said not yet tells me that you're obviously conceptualizing and thinking about it, and you certainly got to do it, man, because we need more stories and we need more representation um, of people who look like us being able to share um, our experiences and our journeys um, of life. For sure. For sure. So now that I got that free game from you and hopefully it inspires somebody to do the same, I can, you know, put that in the back of my mind for when I'm ready to act on it and, you know, know, okay, I got the, I know how to self-publish. And if I forget, I'm going to just come right back to you. So just, just stay on your toes as far as that goes. Um, And before uh, we get out of here, I wanted to ask you uh, overall, if you just had to put words to, your experiences being a leader and other leaders that you've seen, like what would you say are the the key things that make a leader? So if you had to give us maybe three to five things, whatever comes to mind, like what would you say like truly makes a leader? Wow. So let me, I'll share with you. Um, I've, I've read so many books and I'm inspired by so many people. You, you wouldn't, um, I studied leaders. I studied people who have done great things. Um, and I mean, that's from entertainment, the entertainment world to um, social innovators to um, yeah, anybody you can think of from poets to um, NBA athletes to, um, you know, CEOs, um, vice presidents. I have a lot of people that I'm very fortunate to say that I know. Um, but I'll tell you this, what I, I'll, I'll share with you what I've shared with um, students that I've worked with um, in the capacity of the mentoring that I've done. So I've given students 10 leadership principles that I've kind of derived as like my basis um, or philosophy on leadership. And so I'm going to share those 10 principles with you so that way you understand what those are. So it's a will, desire, commitment, hard work, discipline, consistency. I am, which is knowing who you are, being proactive, being responsible, and striving for excellence. So will and desire. I always say that you want your will, meaning the decisions and the choices you make aligning with the things that you desire to to accomplish and achieve, right? So those are your goals, your aspirations, your dreams, right? You want the will, meaning your decisions, to align with those things. You have to have commitment because there's going to be moments where you don't want to do things. It's just, you know, you're going to have distractions and then you're going to have moments where you get tired, right? And I think I'd... um, you know, I came up with a um, a notion from John Maxwell, who was an author, and he writ, you know wrote this notion about um, commitment. He says, you don't want to be a cop out, you don't want to be a dropout, and you don't want to be a holdout. You want to be all out in terms of your commitment, right? So that's one thing that I, and then hard work, as you know, you can go biblically or, you know, spiritually and know that faith without works is dead, mm-hmm. or just knowing that your life will never work unless you do. 
life will never work unless you do right um knowing who you are how important that is like having a sense of um your own i am statement so when i talk when i work with students i say that and this is you've you've seen this in books you know if you read you know it could be joel Osteen, you can read um, bishop td jakes or any of these different books you'll hear that i am becomes so important because whatever you say after those two words defines your reality mm. so if you say i am smart right? You begin to believe that, right? Because what you're doing is you're literally speaking words into manifestation. And so you got to be careful what comes after the I am, because if you're not, it can literally start writing your own destiny. Mm. That becomes, that becomes very, very, you know, um, huge. Um, You know, being proactive, being responsible, right? Again, we talked about freedom, right? Um, You know, I, 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 in this pandemic that we've been in, um, you know, we've been in, I always think about like our, our our past leaders and many of our civil rights activists. And the one thing that they did very well, Denzel, that I think our generation has a lot to learn from is that they held the high watch and they were responsible for whatever they had to endure. Mm. They were responsible. So a lot of times we talk about like, we just want freedom, right? We want freedom. We want freedom from this and freedom from that, freedom from the system, whatever it may be, right? But at the end of the day, like who's taking responsibility to be active and holding the high watch each and every day, mm-hmm. right? So the NAACP, right, they made mention of how many people in, in our past, right, were either hung or were, um, you know, mistreated or like they would report those things out, right? The SCLC, SNCC, right, or um, CORE, right? All these organizations that our, um, our ancestors were a part of, they did a great job of being responsible of looking at the situation and saying, okay, this is where I can be active and this is where I can make a difference. Voter registration drives, right? Um, you know, making sure that we're doing freedom rides right across the country to, you know, showcase the injustices and the experiences that, you know, people of color are having, right? We've got to start making sure that we're doing something and we're doing something daily. And what I've done in my life is realized that um, for me, it was mentorship. And I think everybody has something to give, but you have to be responsible in giving it. And if we're not responsible, then again, we can never access the freedom that we desire or want for our lives. And then striving for excellence, man, that's just knowing that every day you put out your best. Don't leave a day that you have without knowing that you gave your best to that moment or gave your best in that day. And it doesn't mean that every day turns out perfect. And it certainly doesn't mean that every day, you know, turns out like a, a picture, um, you know, um, you, you know, painted moment. But it does mean that in the moments that you're in, right? You give everything you have. And if you make mistakes, you learn from those mistakes and you move forward. So what I even tell students is that you don't win or lose, you win or learn. And if you win or learn, you never lose. Mm -hmm. Right? So everything in life becomes an opportunity for you to press forward and for you to be the best that you, um, that you can be. So that's what it's all about, man. Will, desire, commitment, hard work, discipline, consistency, knowing who you are, um, being proactive, being responsible, striving for excellence. Yeah, that's kind of the basis of those 10 principles that I, I talk with students about. Dope, dope. And these are the Adam Harris principles you came up with, with all those, right? Man, so it's, <laughs> I don't know it's Adam Harris principles. But I mean, what it is is I've extracted those like yeah. principles from like leaders that I've, I've met, like mm. those 10 principles have been extracted from, you know, you look at a Kobe Bryant, you look at a LeBron James, you look at a, um, you know, Dr. Henry Lewis Gates, you look at a Barack mm. Obama, right. You look at a Nelson Mandela, uh, mother Teresa, um, Cesar Chavez. Like, I mean, 
those are principles that you can extract from their lives. Mm -hmm. So anybody who has ever done anything great, right? It starts with you first, right? You have to take on the ownership of this is something that you want to do, that you want to live and, and become. But then also as you go out and you reach and you touch the lives of others, you mm -hmm. do it in such a way that you're passing along everything, your entire self, your entire being, and your gifts and your talents along the way. Because again, mm -hmm. we can't take anything with us, right? Once this life has ended for us, mm -hmm. all we can do is we can leave everything here. And so that's my goal. That's my purpose is to try to leave, um, you know, the, the experiences, the talents, the dreams and the goals in this life. So that way, hopefully somebody can learn from it. Hundred percent. For the good people who want to get in contact with you, they want to be connected with you, see your journey. They want to get a book. Where can they find you? What's your your handles and social media and all that good stuff? Yeah, man. So listen, um, I'll, I'll say this: that I've actually been off social media for for a minute, and I think it's it's been a beautiful, um, blissful moment because I've been writing. Right. Um, I'm actually coming out with a workbook to um, one Michigan moment in time. So like that's been a huge piece of it. I'm also writing the second volume of Adam's Law, um, which is actually for mentors, um, people that are in this mentoring work. Um, and so, like, sometimes you have to have your your thoughts and your your mind clear to be able to write. Other than that, you have all these different distractions. You know, social media can sometimes be addicting. So mm -hmm. I, I'll say it that way. But however, um, I do have a website. Um, it is IamAdamHarris.com. Um, you can contact me through my website, which is I am I A M Adam A D A M. H A R R I S um, dot, dot com. So I am Adam Harris.com. Or you can send me an email. Um, and again, I do look at these emails, which is info at I am Adam Harris.com. So that's, and then also I'm on LinkedIn. So if anyone wants to, you know, reach out to me on, on LinkedIn, there is a, um, you know, part of my website where you can um, find my LinkedIn um, account um, on my website again. And again, it's I am Adam Harris.com. Dope. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, he is as good as advertised. So if you need a motivational speaker or if you uh, need a good book to read, make sure that you tap in uh, with the website and connect with Adam directly. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast today. Um, I got some gems and some great wisdom, and I'm sure that those listening will be able to take some things away from this as well. And uh, the work that you are doing is important, my brother. Uh, so please keep going. And like you said, you know, I already know you don't adopt the quit mentality. So, uh, of course, just keep going keep learning and, and improving man and looking forward to seeing the, the next iterations of the books and also the other projects and things that uh, you have on the horizon so shout out to you and thanks so much denzel like i said um at the top of this um you know podcast i, I just want to say thank you and what an honor and a pleasure it is to have you um, in our community and doing the work that you're doing that you're providing this space um and this medium for people like myself to be able to share our stories um man i can't wait to see five ten years down the road um and as i told you off the platform right i told you like i i i'm i'm not going to be surprised one day when i see denzel interviewing denzel washington or the likes of those um mm -hmm. obviously in the in the mainstream so man I'm, I'm just excited for you um it's a pleasure and honor to be able to have met you um years ago through mg uh, midnight golf program um but man to see your growth and to see your progress and to see your journey um man i got nothing but love for you brother so keep doing the work and uh yeah if there's anything that you need man you know you can reach out to me and it's all love
Appreciate that. That is high praise. And we definitely going to put that out into the universe that I'll get a chance to interview Uncle Denzel. So um, the day that it happens, you, you're going to be there. So <laughs> we, we're going to make sure that, that it gets done. But yeah, appreciate you once again. Appreciate you all listening. And I'll tap in with y'all next time. <laughs>